Yes, well, good morning. Well, let me just start out. Let me tell you a story, okay? Well, first, let me tell you a little bit about what I do uh, outside of preaching. I, I have a full-time job. I work, in the, I work in the communication industry. I work for Verizon Wireless. And um, I am what they call a network assurance field engineer, or um, it's a really fancy name for I go to the cell phone towers and all the radio networking equipment, the generators, all that stuff, I maintain it. Now, most people have no idea what happens when you place a cell phone call, okay? Most people go, well, I'm looking at the tower, so it should just go from the tower to my phone, right? That's not what happens at all. It kind of is for just a second. Is there a little bit of an echo, or is that just me? Okay, it's just me. I'm good then. So what happens is when you place a phone call, it goes to the tower, and, the t and it says, hey, I'm over here. The tower pings it back, and then it goes from, from there. And, and whatever source of backhaul that it gets out from the tower, whether it be fiber or microwave, it hits that. And then it usually goes somewhere, to, I don't know, it'll go to your, your closest CO in, in, inside of a town, uh, or maybe the next town over. And then from there, it'll go down to like Georgia, or maybe up to Indiana. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It goes all the way up to like Indianapolis. And then it comes all the way back. And it does this millions of times. Meaning, and, and, and what we used to do, um, which we don't do this as much anymore, is when we were bluegrass cellular, we, we did this a whole lot with what we call microwave dishes, right? Now listen, I had been working for um, bluegrass cellular for about six years, and, and I was, I'm not bragging, but I, I'm pretty good at my job, okay? I'm, I mean, I know my job really well. I'm pretty good at it. I, I mean, I, I've, I was a senior field engineer by the time I left. I mean, they, um, and so I was pretty darn good at it. And when we use microwaves, Sometimes what, the reason they use microwaves is that they can't get fiber to the tower, so it goes from one tower to another tower to another tower until it gets to the fiber, right? Because the fiber is a whole lot faster. And so what we decided was that we needed to have some kind of redundant path when, when, some, when certain things go down. Because, I mean, I mean, we need redundancy, right? And, um, and so... We, we, we ordered two separate services for each tower. One of them would go one way, one of them would go the other. So if one went down, it'd revert, go to the other, so everybody could still keep talking. And so we'd order the second service for the site, and I went to the site, and, and I put my connections where they were supposed to go, and I left. Well, about 20 minutes later, my coworker called me and said, hey, man, did you ever make your connections? Because I'm not seeing it on my end. He was, I mean, we were going all around Lake Cumberland at the time doing this. And I said, yeah, I made mine. He said, I don't think you did, dude. I'm, I've got a test set hooked up to it. I'm not seeing it. I was like, and at this point, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting defensive. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I know I did. I'd done my job, you know. I mean, I'm just being... Because, listen, ask my wife, bless her heart, I, I, I worked a lot of hours, so I might have been getting a little short. I was tired. 
And I was like, listen, man, I've done my job. I know what I did. I mean, what, what are you doing? And I'm giving this dude a hard time. And he's like, listen, I, I don't know what to tell you. And he starts getting defensive back, and he's like, well, you need to go check your connection. I'm like, I'm not going to check my connections. I know I've done it right. I know what I'm doing. Obviously, you don't. <laughs> Maybe not just like that. I might have been nicer. I don't know. It's been a few years. Long story short, my boss calls me. He's like, Nick, you're going to have to go back and check because we've got to get this done today. Dude, I'm only 20 minutes away from the site. Like, here, here's, the, here's the other problem. I wasn't just 20 minutes away from the site. I was also 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes closer to home, okay? That's the other problem, part of why I'm frustrated because I'm like, I'm almost done for the day. So what do I have to do? Pull well, U-turn. Thank God. God allows U-turns. Um, and so I drive back, and I walk right in there, and uh, there's 32 connections. I went to the one to the right instead of the one on the left, and I was wrong. You know, sometimes we always think we got it right. You know, I think scripture has a little something to say about that, too. Because, um, you know, I, I was, I wasn't just wrong. I was angry because I thought I was right. I mean, the thought came to my ears. I didn't even let it live in my head that I could possibly be wrong. We don't have scripture on the screen, but I have a title for this sermon. It's called <clears throat> Matter of the Heart. Yeah. But if you have your Bibles, just turn with me to Mark chapter 3. I was unaware that, our, that, that Nick and everybody was on vacation, so when I sent him scripture... And I will come here, and I was like, oh, well, it's not here, so it's all right. But that's okay. You guys can follow along with me your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, I, was gonna, I would ask, well, what did you think we'd be doing here today? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just checking. If you're able and you're willing, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Verse 1, he entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good? or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life, or to kill. But they kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiracy with the Herodians against him 
as to how they might destroy him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that your word is still as active, still as relevant today as it was then. When it was wrote down, Lord, every word that you've said, Lord, it's still, the life still rings out over, and it still, it still confronts us where we are and still shows us sometimes where we need to be more like you. Father, I pray, Lord, as we take this time now, Lord, to, to, to look at your word and, Lord, to look at what I believe you're saying to, to so many of us, God, that you would, God, you would begin to speak in, in our hearts, Lord, you'd begin to speak to our minds. Lord, that you would give us revelation, Lord, you'd reveal something that, Lord, you would confront us in such a way, Lord, that, Lord, that we would have to humbly admit either we're wrong. God, I pray that that those, the times that you do reveal things to us, Lord, we don't turn the other direction. Lord, you're so good to us. Speak to us now. Spend this time in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's go through scripture here. Um, verse 3 says he entered the synagogue again. Now listen, I, the, Mark sort of breaks this up into chapters, and I'm not sure why. It begins in verse 3. Really, I think this is a continuance of what had just occurred in, in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we see um, it, it, around verse 23 that there's, there's a question about the Sabbath, Right? There's this question, it says he's passing through this grain field. The Pharisees begin questioning about him. And he says, hey, you know, I'm the Lord on the Sabbath. And, and you get to this point where he says, he says, oh, he says, so the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath. And then we, we find in verse 3, he entered again into the synagogue, and, in, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They, who's they? They were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were there. They were watching him. Now, most scholars will tell you they think, this, they think this whole ordeal was completely set up, okay? Most scholars will tell you that they think they, they strategically found this man and placed him inside this synagogue to sit and watch just to see what Jesus would do. Now, the ideal of watching him by the way, it's, if, you, if you look at the Greek word, it's the same type of watching that the enemy does, which I find very interesting. They're watching, waiting to pounce. Do you think about that? They're waiting to pounce. Like, like they're sitting there watching. The, the day that's supposed to be of rest, the, the day that they're sitting there lording over and trying to watch, and they're, and they're looking at Jesus, and they're just waiting to pounce. Like, oh, wait till he does something wrong. And this man, he's got a withered hand. God made this day for rest, and 
Which, by the way, if you don't know, because he had a withered hand, he wouldn't really be able to participate in anything. <laughs> he could, he'd been unclean. The, 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 so, and they're waiting to pounce. And not just pounce, they're, they're, they're really ready to begin plotting to kill. And we see this. Jesus, he knew exactly what they were thinking, right? I love this because this is one of the few times, like Jesus, he doesn't shy away from, from, from confrontation with these Pharisees at all. He just goes ahead and says, hey, listen, hey, 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 listen, uh, can, can you just stand up, stand up, and I want you to come right here in the center of everybody. I'm not going to, we're not going to hide any of this right here. I want you to stand up, come right in the center, rise up, come here. And he knows what's in their heart. You read the same story. This is a synoptic story. It's in Matthew and Luke, it's Luke as well. And, and in Matthew, I'm pretty positive it's Matthew. Matthew tells a story, it tells a the little extra detail that he knows, in, he knows that what's in their heart, which, by the way, if you don't know, Jesus knows exactly what's in your heart, too. Most of the time, we don't know our own hearts, but Jesus does. We could find some comfort in that. We can also find some truth in knowing that you can't hide things from God. You can hide them from your spouse. You can hide them from your kids. You can hide them from your from from your mother, from your mother-in-law. You. <laughs> you can hide it from your coworkers. You're not going to hide it from Jesus. Jesus knows, and so He looks at them and He says, and He says. What is better to give life on the Sabbath or to take it? And they don't even want to, they don't even want to question it. They don't even answer the question because they know. And, and I was kind of paraphrasing that. I'm sorry if I didn't have word for word here. But he, he, exactly what he says, he says, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save a life or to kill it. Now, I want you to kind of picture this. You have to sort of get, get this in your head of exactly what was going on. It's the Sabbath day, the day that God created for man. God created it to, to, for, for them to rest, and they are literally there ready to kill someone. They're ready to kill Jesus because he's, he's disrupting what they have held on to power. They, he's disrupting who, the, who, who they have been. He's disrupting the way that things have always been. Well, it's always been this way. We've always done it exactly like this. This is one of the few times in Scripture you'll see Jesus say he was angry. 
was grieved in his heart. So let me ask you a question, church. What makes Jesus angry? Can I tell you something, church? There's far too many times that we jump at the idea of what makes God mad. Would you look at the sin that a person's living in and, and things that are going on? The reality is we can see throughout Scripture what it is that makes God angry, looking around at, looking around at them with a grieved heart because their heart was hard. They had a hard, stubborn heart. They had a hard, stubborn heart. They, they, they knew exactly what they wanted. They knew exactly what they wanted, who they thought they were, what they, they, they wanted control, they wanted power. They didn't want anything disrupting their world, but, they, but one of the things that they knew for a fact was they weren't going to move. I knew I, like I knew in all in all my heart, like when, when my when my coworker like man, I wasn't gonna move. I was right. And we get stuck on things like this, guys. We get stuck on things that we think we know that we're right about until until. And, but in the reality is, we have a choice when we see the letters in red, or we see we see the commands by God. We see when God says it, we have a choice. When we're confronted with this, we either change our mind or we're wrong. It's either it's one or two. If you don't change your mind, then you're wrong. Because this is always right. I mean, how, how did they get to this place of a hard heart? I, I mean. They were literally sitting in the room with the one that created them. God had given them this day for rest. It was a tool to prove how, it was a tool, and, and, and yet they were using it to show how unholy other people are instead of leading them to holiness they assumed they were walking in. Mark makes it clear they were not there to learn from Jesus. I would submit to you that sometimes we come to church not ready to learn from Jesus too. I mean, you have to catch the irony here. We want to put ourselves in the place of God, telling people what it is, what, what, what it's all about without, without living it ourselves. What being a Christian is all about without actually living it ourselves. I mean, come on, Jesus didn't tell everyone that we will be known by our judgmental attitudes, right? No, no, wait, wait, I, I know what it is. Jesus said, hey, listen, if you will dress a certain way, if you look real nice, that's how everybody will know you're a Christian. Right? That's what Jesus said. Did, did, I'm, I'm not sure which chapter or verse that is. No, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. 
will be known if we make sure that we like and share, I will, deny, I will not deny Jesus in front of people so he won't deny me in front of the Father, right? As long as we like and share something on Facebook like that, we'll, we'll be okay. That's how we'll be known as Christians. Or maybe we'll be known as Christians if we just simply make sure that everybody knows that we're reading more Bible plans than they are. I mean... Which, by the way, I don't care how much you know the word, Satan knows the word a whole, whole lot better than you, okay? And he still, he, he still hadn't submitted to Christ. Just saying. He has, but he hasn't to this point. He's, he's, he's been allowed to roam. He knows he's lost, but he's still, he's still fighting as long as he's allowed to. No, Jesus said, and this is probably one of my favorite translations, the NLT says like this, your love for one another will prove to you that you're my disciples. Will prove to other people that, that you're my disciples. Matthew 7, 16 says, you'll know them by their fruits. I mean, do, do, we, do we love? Do, I, I mean, do, do you love? Let me, let me ask you the question, because I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of you all real personally. What's your, what's your life look like? What's your, what, what would people look at you and they were to describe, if you were to ask them to describe you, would they describe you as a loving person? Would they describe you as someone that, that like they can see the fruit of God in your life? That's a hard question, but it's a real question. If we don't ask ourselves, if we don't confront ourselves with the truth of what God says, then what are we doing? We have to confront ourselves with the truth of God's word and then put it as a mirror and right next to our own life as a checklist. And if we're missing that checklist, then we need to start figuring out how to get that checklist in our own life. Me too. I mean, if we're honest with, with one another and ourselves, we miss this ideal entirely too often. We know all about what we are against, and too many times we miss what we are for. We miss the love aspect. We miss this ideal of bearing fruit. And, and all we've done is grieve God in the midst of it, because let me tell you, when we miss, the lost people miss out too. The ones that have come to church, they miss it too. If you haven't loved them, you haven't shown them love, and, and they miss it too. That man with the withered hand that day, he was missing out on the love of God because they decided it was better to not do good. They cannot see heaven because we're too busy showing them the world. And the world, it's a real foggy view. I can't, listen, I can't point all this out without the fact these Pharisees thought they were doing the right thing. Can I tell you something, church? You can, be, you can think it with everything inside of you that you're doing the right thing and be incredibly wrong. And I don't mean anything bad. Like, 
that, that day that I was so upset, man, I was, in, I was just wrong. I was thinking this dude was an idiot. How dare he question me? Like, I know what I'm doing. And we do the same thing in our spiritual life. Are you kidding me? I've been going to church for how many years? You know how many times I've read through Scripture? I know that stuff. Don't question me. But most of the time, it's not about other people even need to question. You need to question yourself. Spouses. Hey, spouses, hold each other accountable. Praise God for my, for my wife. She holds me accountable. I'm so thankful for that. I guarantee you today we'll get in the car and she'll look at me and she'll say, she'll, she'll, she'll either say, that was really good or that was good, but, but. And I'm so thankful for that. She's grown me. She has. She continues to grow me. She prays for me. I know she does. I pray for her. Parents, you better be holding your kids accountable. Kids, hey, don't think for a second just because you're young doesn't mean you can't hold your your parents spiritually accountable too. You see your you see your parents acting out and acting ways and saying things they shouldn't say or or participating in things they shouldn't say. Hey, listen, I don't know if God wanted you doing that, Mom, Dad. See these Pharisees. I mean, they all they all the time get a really bad rap, but but I'm telling you, like they really thought they were doing the right thing. We're at a period in Scripture where it's been 400 years before they've heard a word. For, they've heard a, a fresh word from a prophet. Their tradition is is as aggravating as it is. We could look back all on this 2020 vision, and we can know that they were dead wrong. Their tradition did pass it on down to us, but they were wrong. The word Pharisee literally means to be set apart, and all they had done is set themselves apart from God. And if we're not careful, we'll be known as a bunch of Pharisees. Because we'll get so stuck in our tradition, we'll get so stuck in our religion, we'll get so so stuck in like, hey, it's got to be this way or no way, and the next thing you know, we're not attracted to anything but people that are just like us. And can I tell you, I was not always attracted to the church. There was a time in my life I was very lost running from God. I didn't want no part of it, especially especially people that I thought were judgmental of me. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I got loved into the kingdom. We have got to be... We've got to love people into the kingdom.
Verse 6. See, the Pharisees got exactly what they wanted. They knew, they knew exactly what Jesus would do. At least that's what they'd hoped they would do, he would do. They began plotting with the Herodians, which were political supporters of Herod. I want you to get that this morning. Because, see, if you don't allow Jesus to confront you, if you don't allow your mind to be changed, you'll end up like the Pharisees and you'll team up with the enemy. Because that's exactly who they were to them. The Herodians were like the enemies to the Jews. And they began to team up with them. And it doesn't take long when you surround yourself by dissenting voices before your own voice starts becoming dissenting too. We've got to see this because there's this thing called ignorance. <laughs> and let me tell you, ignorance really isn't a bad thing. It just means you don't know. Right? Like, I, I, I truly believe that, that for for all of my, all of my knowledge, or, or or everything that I know about about Scripture, about what God commands, and all those things, like I'm going to be held held to a higher level of accountability, right? But you have people that don't know; they don't know. I mean, I'm not saying God's not going to hold them accountable. I mean, He's God; He can do whatever He wants. I'm I'm not questioning God here, but but. But literally, you don't know, you don't know. It just says simple. But, see, I was really upset with the guys that were trying to tell me I was doing my job wrong. But then when I drove back to the site and I realized something, I was wrong. When I, when I was... I was encountered with this idea. I had to come to grips with it. I, I was wrong. And, and I remember, I, man, I remember calling my coworker and just eating crow, like just humble pie. Man, I come off wrong. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have. I should have just went back and I shouldn't have really questioned you that hard. We had a good laugh about it. I look back on the story, though, and it just reminds me, sometimes we just get it wrong. But the Pharisees, oh, they were confronted with this evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. They continued down this path. I want you to think about this for a minute. This man with a withered hand, and, and, and by all accounts, 
all accounts, they, they say that he was not born this way, but it was a disease. It was something about his hand. He, he, he doesn't even try to hide it from him. He doesn't even try, to, try to, to, to back down and say, hey, hey, mister, can you come over here to this room right over here for me? Can you come over here? Because I don't want no one to see what I'm about to do for you. He doesn't do that. No, what he does, he says, hey, hey, will you stand up? Stand up, come right here. Listen, just stretch your hand out. Just stretch your hand out for everybody to see. And they were confronted with Jesus right then and there. They were confronted with the one that healed this man by his word. They gave him life by his word. And what they do, they still went and they turned and they went to the enemy because they were determined that they could not be wrong. Church, we have to be determined that we could be wrong sometimes. Because if not, you'll turn and start working for the enemy. In an effort to bring death to the one that gives life. 